It's the Stinking Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey, welcome in to the Stinking Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth along with my uh, co-host Mike Evans, Scott the Hub producing, uh, Millennial Ben helping us out as well during this time. Uh, I'd like to thank our presenting sponsor, the great people over at Sweet Sweat, sweetsweat.com for more information. So many people right now, obviously we're all stuck at home working out. I got the Sweet Sweat bands right there. All kinds of uh, great exercise equipment, great supplements, you name it. Check them out at sweetsweat.com. I'm telling you what, great stuff for all your home workout needs. That's Sweet Sweat. Mike, how are you, buddy? Uh, I, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed the NFL draft. I know, right? I, I've always been someone who's sort of tolerated the NFL draft you know it's like oh it's a necessary evil I don't get mm-hmm. caught up in all the hoopla I look at it as a, a 50-50 crapshoot but man after what we've been through and being so starved to be able to talk about something live you know an actual sporting event and to be able to debate and argue and speculate god had I I didn't realize how much I had missed it until uh sitting down and watching that yeah, you know what? I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. So often, Mike, we, you know, get after the commissioner, and so often we, you know, we ridicule the NFL for reactionary, the reactionary nature of the NFL. I'm gonna go ahead and and shoot a lot of props out to Roger Goodell and the National Football League, and I'd like to say all of you naysayers out there that were like, the tone deafness of the NFL, the NFL draft cannot continue to go on based on what we're going through as a country. Kudos to the NFL. Kudos to my former employer, ESPN. Kudos to uh, the NFL Network for coming together and pulling this thing off virtually. It was it was nothing short of amazing. The job they did, and you're 100% right, Mike, just to be locked in to the TV, locked in, you know, talking smack back and forth on Twitter, you know, giving your opinion out there on social media platforms and just being completely locked into this draft. I, you know what? You completely – I don't know about you, but, I, like, I was lost. I completely forgot about what we're going through right now, and it was such a welcomed distraction, and it was so much fun – and even though, you know, there were teams that just made me scratch my head based on what they did, um, man, it was great theater last night. It was just what a tremendous job. Kudos to you for the NFL for not, you know, cowering to all the, you know, all, all the don't do it, you're tone deaf, you're, you know, what are we going uh, Good for you guys for not, you know, for not chickening out and, and keeping the draft on. I'm, I'm, I'm very happy about that. Oh, well, now you got me, uh, my interest peaked to, uh... Who made the head-scratching moves? <laughs> well, I mean, all right, so the Green Bay Packers. Like, can oh, you explain yeah. to me, can you explain to me when you have an opportunity to increase the value and add to your football team, um, not like really add to your football team, you lost your right tackle, uh, you know, you haven't drafted, you haven't drafted a receiver or a tight end in the first round since Aaron Rodgers in 2005. Like, you haven't – you haven't. I'm not going to call them skill position players because you know how I feel about that. No greater skill than moving a man from point A to point B against his will. So I will not call them skill position. I'll call them periphery players. You haven't drafted a running back, a receiver, or a tight end 
in the first round since you took Aaron Rodgers in 2005. So you went ahead and uh, you went ahead and went and got one of those, um, you know, the players, the periphery players, the players that touch the football. You went out and got yourself one of those. You traded up to get him um, with the uh, Miami Dolphins at 26, and you took Jordan Love, <laughs> the quarterback, out of what Utah State that uh, is a you know is a work in progress at best. All right, so what's the what's the message being sent here? Is this hey, listen, Aaron, don't don't get mad. We're doing the same thing um, with you that we we did with you and Brett Favre, and it worked for us once before. So can you really blame us for doing it again? Or is this more a sign that uh, Rogers' days with the Packers are limited? I think it's. Uh, I think there's a two-year window here. Hey, we're going to get a, a kid that has, like, from a talent perspective, he has unicorn talent perspective. Like, he is like the Patrick Mahomes talent-wise, arm talent, ability to move around and do all those things. Um, you know, but I think people look at him as a as a raw, a talented but raw player. And so you know, you're saying basically, hey, we've drafted your parent, and, and we're going to do the same thing to to him you know, that we did with you under Brett Favre. And we're going to, you know, let him learn, let him um, discover, let him play in the preseason, let him do all these things for a couple of years. And then, you know, eventually we're going to move on from you. You'll be 38, 39 years old. And we'll just make a, you know, we'll make the change then. And you think about this, Mike, and you brought this up several times on our own, you know, on our Denver radio show. You think about the Green Bay Packers for the last two and a half decades – Gosh, almost three decades when you look at the length of their careers, right? Um, they've had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and they've won the sum total of two Super Bowls. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about a team that has, uh, I mean, let's just call it what it is, squandered. Yeah. An opportunity to be a dynasty. Well, I called them uh, before the season began, the dynasty that never was. It's um, it's it is um. You think about that. I mean, I get, I get that. There's a lot of teams out there that would like to have one Super Bowl. Sure, but when you have, you've had Hall of Fame quarterbacks, two of them, in the last couple of decades, and you've won the sum total of one Super Bowl with each of them. That's, I mean, that's that's remarkable. It's remarkable that that's where you are as a franchise, and that you chose to go with Jordan Love and move up to get him. Here's the other thing that didn't make a lot of sense to me. You moved up from 30 to 26 to get him. Who was going to take him? Miami had already picked their quarterback, right? Yeah, I think it, I think it, it was probably they were worried about a Lamar Jackson-type scenario where a team like what, what, what Baltimore did last year realized, hey, wait a minute now, this is, this is an opportunity. Let's move back into the first round and take a flyer on this guy. So I think they were probably worried about that. So you think it may be like a Carolina Panthers team that would have uh, yeah somebody they like just that? Took, they just gave a lot of money to Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, maybe New England moves back in. <laughs> New, maybe New England moves. No, yeah. right. What am I? Silly right. boy. Silly yeah. boy. Cool. What Come on, thinking? that was the most obvious thing. I mean, you know, for for any for any Patriot fan out there, is like. Man, I stuck with the entire draft, hoping to see the pick, and then they trade. What were you expecting? I mean, if I, if I had right. to make, if I was allowed to make like three, um, you know, ironclad predictions for mm -hmm. the entire draft that my life depended on, one would have been the Patriots drafting, uh, trading out of the first round. 
Right. I, I just I was I found it funny people were talking about the Patriots. They like uh, Jordan Love. Maybe they're going to go get Jordan Love. No way. No way. That was that was that, I mean that was a stone cold lead pipe lock that they were going to get out of the first round and accumulate picks. And, and listen, I mean. I've been saying it. I've been saying it for years. I believe it to be true. I've talked to a lot of other people who feel the same way as I do. That you know, that actually pick players for a living. There are there's there are a lot of people out there that have this kind of general philosophy. After you hit pick, you know, pick fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, right, right in that area. There's no real difference between you know the sixteenth pick in the draft and the sixty fourth pick in the draft. Like there, like the the. What differentiates those players is razor thin, and you know, and and ultimately, you know, ultimately, I mean, you look at it and and you're like, what the hell's the difference? I mean, we're gonna have to pay them a lot more money, and and they're essentially the same player. Like we talked about this, Mike. Think about this. The, you go back to the 2017 draft, a top 10 pick, which Bill Polian said, you know, six time, six time executive of the year, Bill Polian said, if you're drafting a top 10 player. You better be thinking about that guy getting sized for a gold jacket. Yep. That's that's what you've got to think. Go back to the 2017 pick, the 2017 draft. Out of the top 10 picks, six of them are six of them are disappointments or busts. That's the best way to describe six of the top 10 from the 2017 draft. That's a 60% rate that you're failing in the top 10. There's not a lot that differentiates the 23rd pick from the 64th pick, and nobody knows it better than the New England Patriots. And, oh, by the way, here's a team. Now, I understand they had Tom Brady, and we'll see exactly what they become under Bill Belichick without Tom Brady. But here's a team that has consistently valued this philosophical approach to let's get back, let's move back in the draft, let's get ourselves multiple seconds and thirds, and let's go ahead and grab those players and develop them into our system because that's what we believe is the best value. So – all of you draft nicks that that sit there and try to pound down my throat and down your throat the value of that fifth year option. Like, you think the New England Patriots value the fifth year option? Like, give me a break on that. If you're worth your salt and you're a first round draft choice, if you see that fifth year, it means you're a failure. It means you're you know, it means that's Jameis Winston category. That's you know, that's uh, that, that's Marcus Mariota. Like, like you don't see the fifth year because, uh, you know, if you if you play in that fifth year without a contract, it means they don't believe in you, right, Mike? I mean, isn't that the? Am I getting it wrong? Because if if you're good, you think you think you think uh, a guy like uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to see the fifth year? That they're going to wait on that? <laughs> no, right? No, like, oh, we no. we better wait on on Patrick Mahomes and get him, you know. You're just not – if you're good, you're not ever going to see that fifth year. Who else caused you to scratch your head? How, how did you feel about – after all the speculation about trades, big trades, it, it ended up being kind of, eh, you know. Not, it was really kind of a chalk draft up until, uh, you know, in terms of the names. I mean, yeah, the, Andrew Thomas went a little bit earlier than we thought. But all in all – it was pretty much a, a chalk draft. Uh, I don't know, really, through about 15, you know, sixteen, seventeen picks. Why, why not more trades? I mean, the only big trade was San Francisco, and they just flipped uh, one spot there with right. Tampa. Yeah. Well, I thought I thought San Francisco won. I I just think that I I look at 
you know what they what they've done in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan. Um, obviously, you know with uh, with their organization in general, um, with John over there at the GM position, um, they have done like they have a, a philosophical approach that that you know that I just believe in, and John Lynch I think believes in this as well. You you swapped picks, you gained yourself a little bit of traction. You got Javon Kinlaw. Like they are a, a team that wants to dominate the line of scrimmage. You think about it. They've invested before John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan were there. You know they they had one of the better left tackles in all of football, and they've had him for years out there. But when they got when they got there, they invested in McGlinchey, a right tackle that can really play. They've invested in the defensive line. Think about that. Last year, they had five different defensive linemen on their roster that were all first-round picks. Now, they couldn't pay their, you know, in free agency. They didn't want to pay a guy. So they replaced him with a younger version, a younger, cheaper version in Javon Kinlaw who can flat play. Like this guy, they get rid of Buckner and they get Kinlaw. And this guy was considered, you know, the second best defensive tackle in football, right? In, in college football, right? Just directly behind Derrick Brown, and they said not consistency is the only thing that that caused, you know, him to drop a little bit. And then they rally back up, get back into the first round, and they get Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State, who is a great run after catch receiver, um, who you know they they essentially needed. Like that to me is exactly the kind of thing you want to get done. And I think the thing that really the thing that really kind of shocked me in a way, Mike, is what the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing. Do they really believe Gardner Minshew is the answer at quarterback? Do they really believe in in a, an offensive line that hasn't, you know, blocked their way out of a wet paper sack? Um a quarterback that was a 6th round pick. Um do they really believe they're going to compete in the NFL by just stockpiling more defensive players? Like, is that really where they are right now? Maybe they had the success the one year they had success and went to the, you know, AFC Championship and lost to New England. Um, but do they really believe that that's what's going to get them out of this hole? Mm. Like, I was just surprised because they went cornerback, then they went, you know, defensive. You know, they went linebacker, D end linebacker. You know, in in chase on. Um, I, I just, I guess I was just surprised that at some point they didn't go after or try to get a quarterback. Yeah. See, but my feeling all along was that, you know, maybe if, maybe if Herbert was there, mm -hmm. maybe they would have gone after him. But I've, my opinion is that Jacksonville kind of went into this, like, look, we're not going to, we're not going to reach for a quarterback. Um, if one falls to us, okay, but it's not a priority because, I've always felt that either Cam Newton or Jameis Winston is was earmarked for uh, Jacksonville, and now this right. makes even more sense after what Jacksonville did yesterday. No, um, I mean, look, Winston yeah. and Newton are going to go somewhere, right? Yeah, they're going to have to. And, go I, and I don't see them both just automatically being backups. Do you? No man, can you imagine though? I mean, what is, if if that's if that's where you get like that's the only option you have, Jacksonville? Gosh, I don't man, man, Mike, Jacksonville. Choof. Well, hey, 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 Jacksonville was a 
a few minutes away from going to the Super Bowl just a couple of years ago. So amazing how much windows can change yeah, and open right. and close quickly. I, I thought it was the other thing that – one thing I've always noticed about the NFL, it's very much a copycat league. And, boy, are we seeing that in the AFC West where – uh, the the Broncos and Raiders clearly both making moves like you know hey you know if you if you can't beat them join them and try to out chief the Chiefs both teams right. both teams going out and grabbing uh, receivers at the top of what is considered to be a loaded receiver class but these were the two teams that were out in front taking receivers in Rugs and Judy and don't don't tell me it had uh, nothing to do with the idea that we got to find a way to keep up with the Chiefs yeah you know uh, the the Raiders. I like Rugs was the most rare pick you could ever make, right? Who's the fastest guy? They who's the fastest? Who ran the fastest forty? Rugs. Okay, we'll take we'll take him. Um, but you, you know, you when you look at when you look at the the Raiders and the way they built their football team, like they really were counting on Antonio Brown being their Z receiver, being their guy that was going to open up their offense. And when you know he went off the deep end. Um, and then they had some other injuries at the receiver position. They were like it was like if they didn't completely dominate in the running game, they just had no they had no discernible passing game other than their tight end. Now you start to look at them. They get their healthy. They get the receiving core back healthy with Williams on the outside. They get Henry Ruggs, you know, just doing what Henry Ruggs does. And they get Waller at the tight end position, who has become one of the best tight ends in football. Like with that offensive line and that running game, I I really think they've improved quite a bit. I think that's a that pick makes a lot of sense to me because they've invested in the line of scrimmage. You know, they've that's what they did in free agency. That's what they did um, in the draft over the last couple of years. So that that one actually makes a lot of sense to me. Um, the Jerry Judy one, I get, you know, everybody's excited here in Denver about Jerry Judy, uh, everybody but me. And I, it's not that I'm not excited about Jerry Judy, and it's not that I don't think he's a really good player because he is. I just think that you win championships, you create championship football by controlling and dominating the line of scrimmage. And um, and the Broncos have issues there, and they've had issues there. And so that's that's just kind of a philosophical difference I have with – the way the Broncos made their picks and and the way you know I think about I think about building a football team. Well, you can't. You look at what the Broncos are doing, and I, I don't, you'd be hard pressed to find a team that has invested as much in their offense in, in such a short time as as the Broncos have. Have uh, they they traded up in the second round last year to get Drew Locke, a quarterback that they had been linked to as as high as perhaps taking number 10 overall in the draft. They had uh, taken a second-round pick on Cortland Sutton, who is in two years uh, shown to be on a fast track to being a number one. Mm -hmm. They drafted Noah Fant, tight end out of Iowa, in the first round last year, kind of higher than you see most pass-catching tight ends go. And then they take uh, Judy uh, here at the top of a loaded wide receiver class. They take him in the first round. And, oh, by the way, they went out and paid Melvin Gordon um, significant money this mm-hmm. offseason with the idea that he's going to be a big part of this offense. So on paper, it looks great. I mean, it really does on paper look like this could be a fun, explosive, you know, keep up with the Chiefs type offense. My only question is, uh, you only got one ball. How, how are you going to feed all those people? 
Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's I, I get what you're saying. Um, with that said, you know, I I look at I, I look at what you're trying to do, and I think you're right. I think I think Kansas City has completely. You know, I think they've put themselves in a situation Kansas City has where everybody is, you know, looking at them going, hey, man, we got we to gotta try to outscore them. We've got to try to, you know, we've got to try to keep up with them score for score, and we hope to do that. I, I guess the difference for me is I look at Kansas City and I think, well, one of the reasons they have the ability to do that is because they have got two bookend tackles that they don't have any issue with going one-on-one with a guy across from them and shutting them down meaning that they can get four or five guys out in the pattern pretty much at all times. And their their quarterback is athletic enough that if they do break down up front, he can make somebody miss, keep a play alive, and you know, and throw it to one of their exceptional players. And and then I, I look at their exceptional players. Where their tight end was drafted in the third round. Um, Tariq Hill was drafted in the fifth round. And I understand he had problems. He'd have probably gone higher, but he wouldn't have been a first-round pick. Um, you know, uh, Hardman was a second-round pick. Obviously, Sammy Watkins was a first-round pick, fourth overall, but this has been his third team that he's on, right? Did he go from Buffalo? Where did he go after? Yeah, Buffalo. He was the fourth overall pick in Buffalo, so then right. Buffalo to KC. And um, did he go right from Buffalo to KC, or yeah. did he stop somewhere in between? I I thought it was Buffalo to KC. Okay, so this is his second team, and maybe it was it, Brandon well, now, Cooks has been with. And now years. he's on the move again, right? Or no? Did he stay with? No, the, no, he stayed. He stayed. Put. So yeah, he stayed yeah. put. Cooks so, is the one that's moved. Fourth team in yeah. seven years. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, anyhow, I mean, I, you know, th- the point being is that if you can, if you can, sorry, Watkins went to the Rams first. Okay, he did. Go Bills, to the Rams. Rams, Chiefs. Okay, Bills, Rams, Chiefs. So, um, yeah, the point. The point being is that if you can control a line of scrimmage, um, and that, that's what I believe. You control the line of scrimmage, you win. And, you know, I, I'm biased because, you know, I, I cut my teeth in the National Football League with the Washington Redskins, who was, there was no question. The Washington Redskins were run by the Hawks. I mean, it, that was a, a team that was predicated on controlling the line of scrimmage, run that counter tray, you know, beat people to a pulp and get them in the play-action passing game. That's that's what we did. Um, and, and that's how we, you know, that's how they won multiple championships. Um, and so, you know, that was what I cut my teeth on. And then I came to Denver and, you know, we ran the ball under Mike Shanahan and Terrell Davis and we controlled the line of scrimmage and, you know, we're considered, you know, one of the best offensive lines in football. Like that's, that's how we won. And and so that's kind of philosophically what I believe how you build a, a great football team. I mean, I look at those back-to-back championship teams we had in Denver, you know, Rod Smith was a free agent. Eddie McCaffrey was a, a third round pick. For the Giants, I believe, um, you know, and then went to San Francisco. Denver was his third team, I believe. Um, you know, uh, Terrell Davis was a sixth rounder. Shannon Sharp was a seventh rounder. You know, I mean, the only uh, first rounder was John Elway, and, and he was great. Uh, don't don't get me wrong; he was a great player. Um, but I just, you know, I I just have that philosophy about how you really build and how you control. Like I, I look at the top ten scoring teams in the league, Mike. Six of them were the top the top rushing teams, meaning they controlled the line of scrimmage, you know, and, and two of those teams, two of those teams that weren't in top rushing teams that were in the top 10 of scoring, one was New Orleans and, and one was Kansas City. Well, I can make an argument. They've got the two, two of the best bookend tackles in football. In Kansas City, they have Fisher and they have Schwartz. And in, um, in New Orleans, they have Armstead and they have uh, Ramscheck. 
like like there's there's a there's a common thread here when it comes to being a championship caliber football team. Well, uh, what else? Uh, what, what else? What else jumped out at you? You got um, Herbert going to the Chargers was was interesting to me because you've you've talked at length about how you you came away from doing a Chargers game believe that, believing that they felt that if Tyrod Taylor had been their quarterback instead of Philip Rivers, they make the playoffs last year. So they clearly liked. Tyrod mm-hmm. Taylor is that all past tense now, or do they still no, like no, him? No, I think they really like. I think they really like him. They they like the versatility that he gives. They like they like his his ability to throw the deep ball. They like his accuracy um, on the deep ball, and they like his they like his ability to get outside the pocket. You know, in that offense, they want to be able to run. You know, they want to be able to run the tight and wide zone. They want to be able to set up the play-action passing game. They want to have all the boot-keep game off of that. Um, that's what Anthony Lynn, you know, that's what he ran as a player when he was here in Denver. That's what he knows. That's what he has coached when he was the coordinator in Buffalo. So he's got a lot of faith in Tyrod Taylor. Um, but I also think that that they know the limitations, like the – like. Like they can be a playoff team with Tyler Rod Taylor, I, I I believe that. I think they're good enough to be that, but they're looking at the ceiling. Like he's mashed against the ceiling right now from a physical standpoint, from a skill standpoint. So they look at Herbert as as a guy that, I mean, I I think it's this way. I think, hey Tyrod, you're our starter until you're not our starter, right? You're our starter until we're either, you know, if we're two and four, you're you're losing your job. If we're four and two. You know, you're going to be okay. <laughs> it's like it's like my offensive line coach used to tell me all the time here in Denver. I'm with you guys, win or tie. You know, lose and we'll start having problems. And, you know, and, and as long as you know kind of where you stand, um, I think that's kind of the direction they're going in right now. And, and plus, it's the Chargers. I mean, the Chargers need to sell hope. Like, hey, we've got a really good roster. We're going to win now, and we've got hope for the future. So buy some personal seat licenses and come on into the new stadium. Like, that's kind of – isn't that what the Chargers are doing? Yeah, it makes some sense. It makes some sense. But I, I've seen plenty of teams that have gone out and grabbed one of these shiny quarterbacks with the idea that it was just going to energize a fan base. And you know what? If they're not followed up by wins, that mm-hmm. uh, fades away pretty quickly. That fades away pretty quickly. What'd you think about the the Miami Dolphins draft? They got Tua, then they went back down into the 18th overall pick, took Austin Jackson from USC, the offensive tackle, and then they uh, got a cornerback out of Auburn who uh, is just an incredible athlete. And I'm not even going to try to say no, his name. No, me neither. Me neither. Noah. They got Noah. The Tua thing. I think if if he just if he's healthy, then I, I think he has a chance to be a a solid quarterback. Look, I I don't I, I'm I'm anti combine measurables, big arm, tall mobility when it when it comes to quarterbacks. I don't get caught up in that. I know a lot of people do. Look at him, what a stud, man! Does he just look like a world class quarterback, right? I don't I don't get caught up in that stuff. To me. I, I love the Joe Burrow types. Uh, you you give me a guy who just every time he's out there and you watch him play, man, he is under control. He's poised. He doesn't get rattled. He knows to go where to go with the football. He's accurate with the football. I mean, give me all of those things 
All right. of those things. Oh, and he's a great, he's a terrific leader. Give me all of those things before I start to even worry about how tall you are, how mobile you are, or how big your arm is. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm I'm all about like I don't throw it on time, throw it to the right guy on time with anticipation and accuracy. And if you don't have elite level arm talent, that's okay. If you have all those other intangibles and and you have the ability to be accurate and and anticipate and be on time with the football, um, you're gonna you're gonna have a lot of success in the National Football League. That's that's my that's my gut reaction, my gut feeling. By the way, um, how about our boy Josh Rosen, who was a top ten draft pick, what two years ago? Oh, I mean, think about Josh Rosen. So Josh Rosen was a top pick. He's ninth overall to the Cardinals. He has a mediocre rookie year, gets, you know, gets just pummeled. Um, they can't block. They can't run the ball. They can't really do much of anything. Uh, then he gets dumped because Kyler Murray comes up for a second-round pick last year, goes to Miami, sits on the bench behind 37-year-old quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, and now Tua comes in. Like, I mean, I thought you you draft a top ten quarterback. You, you, it's an automatic Hall of Fame pick. Right? Well, maybe that's you know what we were talking about Jacksonville earlier because in all in all kidding aside, I mean, I'm not here to bash on Josh Rosen. I mean, we've 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 sort of. I'm not either. I feel kind of. But I feel, I feel, I feel bad, bad for him. I, I would hope that Miami would trade him somewhere to give him an opportunity to play. Maybe Jacksonville. Hey, if I'm Jacksonville, if I'm Jacksonville right now, I'm saying, hey, I'll you know we'll give you a, a 2021, you know. Fifth round, sixth round pick for Josh Rosen. If I was Josh Rosen, I'd just retire. <laughs> He's just a smart like, guy. He'd probably yeah. uh, do just, just fine. Like, yeah, this didn't really work out for me. I'm going to go. My mom and dad are doctors or whatever. I'm going to go back to L.A. Like Jacksonville, really? Oh, gosh. I mean, I almost I almost feel I, like there's part of me that feels bad for him because he, he certainly, I mean, Arizona, they, they weren't going to win. With Josh Rosen, they weren't going to win with anybody essentially at the quarterback position, and then you know you don't even get a chance to play with Ryan Fitzpatrick leading your your and and Ryan hey Ryan I like Ryan Fitzpatrick he's a good dude and he played well last year I mean he played pretty well for them in a season where they were going to quote unquote tank for Tua they didn't even have to tank and they still got Tua I hope all the this tanking talk from the general fans and the media stops because the Miami Dolphins played played their hearts out. They didn't have very much talent, but they played their butts off. And they still got the quarterback that w- they were linked to. Why everybody was saying they got a tank for Tua, you know? I mean, so good for the Miami Dolphins. All right. Well, we uh we'll have another active couple of days here and we'll be able to uh look back on this draft in its uh totality. So mm-hmm. can't wait to see what the TV ratings are going to be monstrous for the uh, for the for the weekend. So, you know, yeah. sit back and watch these picks roll off the board. Yeah, no question about it for uh, everybody involved. Thanks to Sweet Sweat. You know what? Next week we'll come out, do another early podcast, and we'll put together a question mark so that you can win some great gear from our friends at Sweet Sweat. So thanks to Sweet Sweat. Also, Marks All Pros and MarksAllPros.com, the referral network that we're building, uh, building a different referral network. Check that out as well. For Mike, myself, for Scott, for Ben, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with you next week.